You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse, Earful of Dirt is the only podcast dedicated to Major League Rugby. Now, coming to you live from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Ear Full of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Thank you for joining us tonight. I'm Aaron Castro, back in Arizona after way too much time in Houston, Texas. Uh, I'm joined this week by Victor Perez, who was also, also in Houston, back. Texas for also a little back. bit, but uh, not for period I was there. Um, I know, sucks. And then Liam Poach Madigan uh, mm-hmm. will also be here. He's right there. Um, uh, you know, we're he's he's in Boston now, so he feels rejuvenated. Although apparently you should not tag Mama Cole in anything New England Patriots related. No, nah, she she is very uh, very we'll get, adverse to having any sort of Tom Brady influence in her life. <laughs> we'll get eaten. But uh, you know, meanwhile, uh, you know, Corey hanging out in Iowa, just just swatting the the skiers. You know, maybe we should have a test in Cedar Rapids. Maybe we, maybe we should do that. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, the uh, our local our local rugby club's uh, uh, goalposts are actually held together with duct tape. It's pretty fantastic. Oh, oh go to any D3 club, man. Come that on. Reminds me, well, that reminds me of the, uh, the Fullerton, uh, like, regular club field. <laughs> but um, so he's in Iowa. Hit him up. On Twitter, in the control room, questions, comments, or even concerns. If you have concerns, um, we'll we'll huddle, and we'll probably tell you to rub some dirt on it. So, how's everyone's week been? Been awesome. I wonder why. Yeah, how could it not be amazing? How could this not be the best like weekend of our lives? Yeah, something about this weekend just set me off on the right note for this Monday. You know, yeah. I don't I know. know what happened. Mm-hmm. What's up? Aaron. Aaron, did, did you do anything fun this weekend? Oh, me. Yeah, um, you. I drank way too much alcohol. <laughs> uh, so uh, I hope everyone, um, if you haven't caught the article on earfulofdirt.com, my recap of the match is up. Uh, I made sure to get the copy out uh, before I got on a plane uh, to uh, back to Phoenix here yesterday. Uh, I did spend some time talking to the team on Sunday because we were in the airport at the same time. So, you know, talk to Aj. It's Aj, not AJ. Uh, you know, talk to, you know, some of the coaches. It was ready to Paul CK. It was his birthday today. So just uh, he got he got años. He got some gourmet uh, feeding from his captain. Like he got he got hooked up. Um but yeah, I was in Houston, uh, got in Thursday midday and then, uh, went, did the, did the rounds on Thursday night, uh, downtown drinking, uh, you know, it was, it, uh, ran into Tony Rudnell, friend of the show. Uh, I was with Grant Cole, uh, also the rugby evangelist friend of the show. Great man. Uh, mm-hmm. took me out. We had a great time. Uh, also met with the cactus, He's Eagle 325, Paul Emmerich. Great dude. Great guy. Uh, I got to talk to him a lot about different things. He's coaching 
now at the Air Force Academy, and he was telling me about this tour that he took his Air Force kids on to the UK. So they played uh, the Royal Air Force, and I think the Royal Air Force Academy guys um, on tour. So that they must have had a fun time. And then Friday was the big day uh, of fundraisers, as it were. Uh, I went to Lost Afternoon, uh, where Gavin Hastings of Scotland was the keynote speaker. That was a great time listening to him. But, uh, you know, I got to sit with some really cool people. Tony Rudnell, Eagle 168. Uh, Paul Emmerich, the Cactus again. Uh, Darren Morris, Welsh national team player, British and Irish Lion. Alex Corbazero, another uh, British and Irish Lion, but an England national team player. Phaedra Knight, the grandest person on our table, of course. Uh, Eagle. 99 world rugby hall of famer player world rugby player of the decade from 2000 to 2010. So she got to sit next to her and talk to her. She's pretty awesome. She's grinding. She's sitting in the women's international athlete chair on the, what is left of the USA rugby board. So she's, she's working really tough. And then the lizard, Steve Lewis was at our table. Um, the rugby evangelist, of course, Ross Young, the interim CEO, and some some friends, Russ Newth, and a new friend, uh, Ed Russell. Um, pretty pretty cool dude. I uh, liked him. Uh, but yeah, got to talk to all sorts of people. Um, got got to meet Wayne Barnes, the uh, the you know the greatest ref in the world right now, who officiated the match. It was just a great time, and we were all there partially to listen to Gavin Hastings while enjoying some adult beverages, but mostly to raise money for the Houston Youth Rugby Association. And then on Saturday, which, man, Friday I left my arm out of my sling a bit too long. Dumb idea, because I was then in a sling all of Saturday and all of yesterday. Um, Just like uh, a rugby player trying to play through an injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, being an idiot. Uh, Saturday we'll- some tape on it, man. <laughs> Tape on it, yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, and I was like, and then Gary Gold, Gary Gold, because we had spoken the day before, he's like, What happened to you? I was like, it was it was already broken. Don't 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 worry about it. Um and uh but watch the U20s put a number on Canada after getting a number put on them. They won wire to wire 40 to 22, and what was really a pretty dominating match at Rice University. And the rugby evangelist himself uh, was on the PA for that, and he called a pretty good game. Uh, he apologized to the Canadians for getting some of the names wrong. I don't, I don't think he did bad. I mean, I think he, I think he did fine. So, but he, he felt he didn't do well enough, which says a lot about that man's standards. Um, and then, of course, thirty to twenty-nine, baby. But um, you know, f- for those new to the podcast. That was, you know, my long ass story. I think we, just so we can get out of here, um, you know, I think everyone else's weekend revolved around watching that game. So we'll move on. For those new to the podcast, each week on Monday night, we discuss news and rumors from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union competition. It's a chance to discuss the issues, hear from the league, team leadership, and check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene. And we've got a review. I'm remiss. I meant to get this in the last uh, episode, but it is in now from Nutmegger Jones. 
must listen to MLR pod for the American ruggers as a collegiate D one rugby player. It's awesome to hear an American rugby pod with people from all over the country, giving their insight on major league rugby from rumors to news and everything in between. Keep up the great work. Dylan for Rocky. I think we might have something for you, uh, Dylan. So, uh, Shoot us a note at earfulofdirt at gmail.com. If we don't, I will send you an apology. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure we will have a hat out for you uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks. It took me a month to mail the last one out. But, uh, yeah, Corey, let's get into it. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you're correct about that hat, Aaron. I think it's sitting uh, here on my uh, table. So <laughs> we got it ready for you. Just uh, shoot us an email, Dylan. All right. Boy, do we have stuff to talk about. Uh, yeah, there was a game down in Houston this weekend, and it wasn't the Sabercats. Uh, so we'll talk quite a bit about uh, USA Scotland. We had uh, NOLA uh, over at Utah, and that was a nail-biter. We had uh, Seattle visiting Glendale. That was not a nail-biter. Uh, and nor was Austin's trip to San Diego. So we'll hit on that stuff. Uh, we'll, of course, do questions from Bob. We'll talk about a tweet of the week that was pretty special following the USA-Scotland match. And, uh, yeah, got a whole bunch of fun stuff coming up. So stay tuned for that. I'm going to jump back and uh, be on the uh, comment section. So I'll catch up with you guys a little bit later on, okay? Bye, so, Corey. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so Nola wins up high at altitude, forty-six to forty-three, in what I call defense. Where was the defense? Defense. Thank Where was you. The defense. <laughs> it's definitely not a die game. Dang it, guys! That game was super freaking fun. That is eighty-nine points scored between the two teams. Eighty-nine. Dang it, that was nice. Not yeah, too no, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And one guy we definitely need to highlight in terms of all, of all that scoring getting done was Don oh, Patty. Don Patty, who, honestly, I, I, I made this uh, this note in the uh, show's rundown that if he were playing for either Glendale or Seattle right now, he'd be a pretty, you know, shoo-in for the or for the, or at least on the track for an MVP, like, uh, nomination. But, unfortunately, he's kind of stuck on Utah, who's teeter-tottering out of the playoffs, and... Well, here's, the thing. here's the thing with Don personally. I think he's, you know, he was focused on sevens early on in the season. He was called into high performance camp. And I think that really affected how, you know, he played and how he got selected because he did miss him. He wasn't selected for some games and, you know, some of the games he played, he didn't play well. I think it was all focused because that he was on sevens, but man, he scored two tries like that slicing through the, Nola defense. I thought this was going to be, you know, just a, I thought they were going to burn the barn down and it was going to be over real quick, but I guess uh, the Nola defense just did enough. This match was kind of nuts for me overall. Um, You know, you're seeing certain guys throughout the league continue to raise their hands to rejoin the Eagles. Specifically, the guy I looked at when I was watching this game that just was playing at a different level. Um, you know, it's not on the stat sheet completely, but John Cohen, his work around the breakdown when he carried the ball, when, you know, when he was on defense, challenging rucks, his form right now is just something else. You know, he, he brings 
something extra. He does the small things right. So, like, there was a tackle that was almost perfect. He gained, like, three extra meters and then twisted his body and presented the ball for Joe Nichols perfectly. Yeah. You know, Cullen definitely did come through uh, pretty well in that game. However, if I remember correctly, I think he had one of Utah's many ill-timed penalties uh, at one point in the second half, which kind of made me just kind of, you know, face palm right then and there. But and that that's something that I think, you know, needs to be addressed, too, is the fact that, you know, Utah has all these players like from Cullen to Patty to, uh, you know, Lasique obviously was off do, doing eagle duty and stuff like that. But they have all these players. And but week in, week, week in and week out, they get no, all their hard work gets nullified by the fact that they can't keep together in terms of discipline. They're making all these penalties like knock ons. They're uh, like their discipline in the breakdowns, particularly I was not impressed with. And again, like they're this team that just relies on these big splash plays from their uh, really, you know, athletic wings, like getting these huge ass breaks when they can't really. I don't, I don't think I've seen them play a really cohesive game, you know, yet this like uh, MLR season. I got to say that, you know, if we go back a few games, um, especially if we go back a few games, I've seen them play cohesive. I've seen them play well. And those led to. Uh, but for an entire game. is well, yeah, well, there was there was like two. Where like you saw systems being played, one of those was a loss. I could I could peg you which one, but you saw their systems and their attack in place. Whereas this was a bit of you know get the ball to your athlete and just let them run ragged yeah. for the most. Flash in the pan rugby, you know. Yeah, it, that's exactly what it was. It was like some you know for the most part, just this game in general wasn't really there wasn't great attacks on both sides. Utah's was non-existent again. So we're sort of back to, you know, the beginning of, uh, you know, the season where you just give it to your heavy ball carriers like AJ Tuinio, Tanata Lauti, and, you know, Fetu Vinicolo, who can just, you know, they can cut at the right moment and, you know, gash a team's defense. And, you know, like Nola paid for that, but, you know, it, it sort of didn't matter because there was nothing – opposing new Orleans. So you had, you know, JP Eloff was named MLR player of the week and he just crushed it. You know, he put up 23 points by himself. He had, Mm -hmm. he had a try for himself and he just cut up through that defensive line, just pretty much basically the same way Don Patty did. He got his, he scored a try and then scored a bunch of conversions and then scored a bunch of penalties. Cause you know, you talked about uh, an ill gotten penalty in the second half by John Cullen, well, JP Eloff was on on Sun on Saturday. Mm-hmm. He was on. Like there was nothing stopping him at the fly half position. He just, you know, when he ball, carried the ball, he cut through the gap. He gave it to a sport runner, or you know, he just put it through. And that wasn't really a turning point because it was really early in the game. Um, but something that was very effectual towards the end of the match was that drop goal in the first half when they ended up. I love drop goals. And yeah, if you can like, it was just it was right distance. It was it, it looked nice too. So it wasn't you know just man. I hope it goes through. <laughs> By the way, this that's the fourth one, the fourth drop goal so far in Major League Rugby history. Just the season four. I know Sam Windsor got the first one. I'm pretty or I'm pretty sure Sam Windsor. Colini Sal. got the first one. Colin, yeah, all right, yeah. Sam, I knew Win- Sam Windsor has one. Colini has the first. One. And Sam has the second. Um, and then uh, J- JP has the, fir- the, the has the third, and then the, and then the one that happened in the 
the one that happened at um at the negative at the Raptors um oh, yeah, uh, Seattle. yeah the Raptors Seawolves game. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, I think Maximo did that one. Maximo that show. Yeah. Uh, but before we get uh, too like you know like like uh, off the track like you know like in terms of speaking about JP Elof, I think it's worth noting that you know earlier you said Aaron that neither one of these teams really had uh, like a really effective attack. But I think what's been underrated all season is just the balanced uh, like uh, you know the the balanced aspects of Nola's attack from the fact that they ha- they have pretty proficient forwards who are able to draw the other team into the middle of the field that opens it up for people on the outside, especially like uh, like you know uh, people like Houston, people like you know even Howden when they move him out to fly half. I think yeah. they they move pretty effectively all over the field. But they're just not a very flashy rugby team, like you, I, like 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 Utah with people like Potty. When I look at at Nola, this is probably the offensively with the way they've run their attack. This was probably the most uh, the most disorganized they looked, and I don't think I think it was just more of a a result based on the defense that was in front of them because they just uh, once they they came back down and they were ready to play and they tightened up just enough to stop. Utah from going there were just the gaps were just there which allowed them to just run through and you know JP Eloff had a great game but he wasn't the only one like Matt Houston for the most part if you know I talked to a bunch of people he had another great game and you know this time instead of stopping it from being you know a 60 pointer uh he he does enough to where he's able to you know achieve the victory uh, for his side, uh, you know, as a number eight, it just hasn't been there. And this, I think this says a lot about the growth that he's had playing for New Orleans in this kind of environment that he was able to just slot in and, you know, do what he does at seven, but be a number eight. And which says a lot about, for me, it says so much about his development. But on the flip side, I think, you know, David Tamalau, I would put – in the engine room and flip Saya Uhila out to number eight for the Warriors, just the way they're playing. Um, I, so, I would so. rather keep, I would rather keep Tamalau at eight just because he's, I think he's a lot more effective with the ball in his hand than Osila is. And especially he's had some really good grabs out of that scrum. Um, I'm not very enthused about Nichols as a scrum half. I don't really, you know, I, I feel like he's more Blake Bortles-esque when it comes to uh, his position in the MLR. So, which is why I think somebody like Tamalau getting that ball like out of the eight-man position might be. A, it, it, I think I think it's worked for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it, I think it's worked for them. But no, he, he's he's effective in terms of moving the ball and getting uh, like like a higher like uh, you know meters gained per touch. If you know what I mean. Well, well, what we've seen is like you know we, I think Nichols is is fine, but Nichols is an old man. He's thirty-two. Right. And you don't know that he's old until the camera goes to his face. And, uh, you know, he looks young out there and he's been very efficient. He does. I think they, they wanted Patty to be like his backup, but just the way things were working, because Patty previously has been a scrum half and a very highly effective one. But it just it just didn't work when he was put out at scrum half. And, you know, the, the tempo was just off and it, it was just really bad. Uh, that was early, you know, in the preseason and, you know, early in the season. So Nichols earning the start for me was, was what was required. But, you know, I, I think I would flip Vila back out because of where, the way Tamil was playing. I think, you know, their, their engine room needed some push. And I think, um, I think Tamil is big enough 
that and strong enough that he would have given that extra opposite Matt Jensen. Um, but it was just, it was pretty much a, a question of who would make the kicks and Nola made the kicks because there was just no defense. So commit the least penalties and make your kicks. Essentially. Yeah. Um, Never underestimate that kicking game. There's been a lot of, there's been a lot of games that have, that, could have gone a whole different direction if the coaches had decided just to take the points in the beginning of the game, especially. Yeah. So moving on, Raptors crush the Seawolves while the Eagles are away. Uh, for the most part, I thought this was like the best 30 minutes in an MLR in the MLR during this match. And that was the first 30 minutes. And someone will say, Hey, uh, wasn't uh, Seattle ahead for most of those 30 minutes, but uh, yeah, they were. And uh, then, you know, things just started to unravel uh, late in the first half. I think Luke White came on for Blake Rogers and uh, their their platform just shifted. It, it got a lot better. Um, and we, we just talked about the kicking game. The kicking game for Seattle is a problem right now with Staller being away with Canada. Holders more is I think he's been less than 50 50, uh, you know, physically as a ball distributor. Holt, Will is fine, um, but he did not have a good day from the tee. And then Peter Smith just did not come on early enough to gain a rhythm uh, and probably should have started Other and because the Raptors' defense then didn't commit a lot of penalties. They formed their own seawall. I, I, I like that idea. So – one I, I, one, I just got to say, I think, you know, you definitely have a point there when you're talking about how he didn't have a good day from the tee, especially when you're in Colorado and the atmosphere is really thin. You know, there's not going to be a whole lot of resistance, especially, uh, you know, going from some of the distances that he, uh, you know, that he did. Uh, but in terms of their discipline, if you've ever met Dave Williams in person, I'm not very I'm not very surprised that the Raptors have been other than, you know, the indiscretions in the beginning of the season. Dave is pretty intense. That's all yeah. I got to say. Yeah, I, I mean, like, <laughs> it, it, it was my first introduction to meeting a professional rugby coach. I was standing like five feet behind him, like in like my, my first ever professional game watching. And it was, yeah, it was, I, I, I couldn't stop laughing for about 10 minutes after it. <laughs> he's kind of a, like, he's kind of a guy, I think that if he didn't play scrum half, if he was a winger, he, <laughs> he's, he could still play because yeah. he's like, it's kind of funny to hear him talk about, uh, his own career. Uh, Why do you hear uh, him talk in general? <laughs> yeah, it's like, but he talks about like how he yeah. played. Like he's like, I really wasn't that good. <laughs> he's like, I was good enough, but you know, the reason I didn't stick around was I really wasn't that. Good. Isn't that a Dave Williams thing to say? You know, I was really good, but I wasn't good enough. Or I did a lot of good things, but I didn't do enough good things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty. It's it's pretty. That's that's pretty good. Except you were Australian and not English. <laughs> All right, yes, Arizona. So he's like, hey, hey, we're, we're beating this team like a million to nothing, but we still can do a whole, a whole lot more good things, yeah? <laughs> there That's a little bit. There, there yeah. we go. But, uh, you know. Uh, you hear about PG okay. Vonnenberg. <laughs> no, <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move on. But, but this, this game starts as like a tale of, you know, 30 versus 50 minutes, right? Phil Max, he's coming on. He played decent. He played pretty yeah. well early. But. It was like it was a one man show. Like he he did as much as he could, and nothing was going right for them at all. 
it was a very stagnant game, you know, and you still saw like the flashes of athleticism that all of these guys possess, but there just wasn't any, I, I, I guess you could say you can, you, they never really got that lawnmower started uh, and up and running for a very long time. It just kept, it just kind of kept on sputtering. And as you said, there, there was no seawall for Seattle uh, in this game. Cause you know, as usual, Glendale in the second half, especially just kind of had their way with them. Because uh, as they've been doing all season, Glendale with the ball in hand in terms of passing on the back line is second to none in anybody in this league. But um, I guess uh, I've, I've talked down enough about um, this, the seawall. Let's talk a little bit about Raptors Unstoppable, you know? Yeah. Uh, Dang it. That's beautiful they, choice, by the way. They just, uh, they just kept it. They, kept, they, they just kept their heads in the game. There mm-hmm. really, really wasn't any panic, uh, you know. Maximo just sees the gap. And what does he do? He kicks the grubber down. And what is there? Oh, th- there's not Harley Davidson, but there's Chad London in like mm-hmm. the same position, grabs the ball, touches it down for the try. And you That's know right. what? It's five to 11. Whoa. Right. Boom, like that. And, uh, you know, then it just, then it just starts rolling, you know, that in, in the first half, uh, they score a little bit more. Um, but it's still close, and you're thinking, you know, go to the sheds, whatever. And then pretty much it was it was all Raptors the entire second half. I was very surprised that the the score wasn't worse. Um, I mean, y- yes and no. I'm I'm definitely a little surprised that Seattle didn't score more. But at the same time, when you watched that game and you, and you, by, by the, by the, towards the end of the first half, he knew how this game was going to go. And you knew Seattle wasn't working, um, you know, like, uh, like together as a unit, the way that they had in the past. So I'm, um, so I'm both not and am surprised at the results in a way. By the way, guys, let's talk about that Casey rock try because that thing was a thin of beauty. Oh, Casey rock. He's, He's a rock solid man, and uh, <laughs> I guess, oh, I guess goodness, that try was a rock solid man. That, that dude is fucking. That dude's massive. Dang yeah. it! I mean, he. I mean, he. He finished great. Obviously, I mean, he got tackled, got back up, and finished the try. But dang it! Just between, um, uh, dang it, uh, Harley Davidson then getting caught and then him popping it up to to rock and then scoring. Oh my god! Uh, and everything happened before that. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, I think that whole phase, there was a ton of people involved in, in that in, this, in terms of getting him the opportunity to get that ball. Like you said, Harley Davidson had, had, had a really good run. Um, I think, what, what was it, Chad London, who I think kind of broke open. Or no, it was Mika Kruse who, uh, who, who, got a, who got a huge run to kind of gain them the meters going up there. And Mika mm-hmm. Kruse had a really underrated game as well. But at this point, the, the, you know. Like, Under, like, underrated? Are you sure it was underrated? Because well, – uh, I mean, I, I put him on the first fifteen. Put it that way. He, I, uh, I, I guess the fact that we haven't mentioned him yet makes it underrated. The the, the fact I, that the first thing we didn't say was Cruz makes him underrated. I <laughs> so I got a problem with this, not his performance, but the fact that he wasn't he he wasn't even like on the player pool for selection camp. Uh, mm-hmm. For... He's, he's young. No, no, you, no, you can no. tell his game is very raw. No, I'm not talking about for the Eagles. I'm talking for the junior oh. All-Americans. Because he's, yeah, he's, he's only 19. He's only 19. So, 
So Devin Short was on that list, and Devin Short, yeah. when he was down on at the Junior All Americans, he had two really good games. Uh, mm-hmm. overall. There's some things that you know he's just going to have to learn, but you know, two really good games. Nevertheless, he he he, he crushed it. But why? I get it to an extent, you know, but short started all but one game. So you're taking a guy that you've slotted in and around, you know, between 11, 12 and 13, uh, pretty much every game. If you're able to do this against the Seawolves, you, he could have been released for the U 20. So I wonder why he either didn't get called up or chose not to go. But, uh, I think, uh, if he was slighted, that was a, that was a bad choice by uh, high performance. You know, whether he got slighted or not, though, I I think it's only a good thing that he's getting more minutes in a professional setting, especially. So they they said on, they said during the uh, broadcast that he was 21 years old, but I've been hearing people say that. Yeah. They they said that he was 21. I was like, I thought he was 19. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know what, I know what William's talking about because when they put his name up and like after he scored it, it said age 21. It didn't say 19. So that's what caught me off guard, too. So wait a minute, because I just heard the commentator saying that he's 19, and the graphic says 21. So I'm like, what? So so it's um, 2018. In yes. Fe- February of 2015, he was 16. So, yeah, that so makes it is. So simple math. So simple then, math. Yeah, of course. So that was yeah. wrong. Oh, oh, yeah, that's 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 so simple math, he's no older than 20. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, well, whatever. So, just, you know, fact-checking people. But, you know, in that game, they also said what Scott Green was the the center ref, and it was Adam Leal. So, mm-hmm. so um, I noticed we did get a question um, presented to us uh, via the broadcast. It's, Seattle has lost to Glendale twice. Do they have any chance if they meet in the championship? We play to win... The game. <laughs> you play, don't. Well, so like, so Seattle was healthy the first time they had him at home. They played pretty close. It was a tight game. One of the be- It was one of the best games of the season, and this wasn't. Yes, Phil was back, but they're not exactly healthy. They don't have their first choice front row out there. Yes, they've got their first choice tight head, but they don't have the first choice back row. With I mean, Shermer probably plays seven. Um, in ahead of Penny, if um, my wonderful Reichert Hatting was healthy right now. So, and then you also don't have your best kicker in Brock Stoller, who is, well, he was on Canada duty for like the worst game possible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they don't have key pieces, but that makes you wonder, right? What would happen if Glendale had their key pieces? Because they're only missing like three or four on uh, Seattle's side, and you know then they're also missing three or four. So some of their parts, is, I, I don't know. But we'll but we've well we've now seen like the last two weeks with Glendale missing parts, and they're perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. You know, like perfectly fine. Uh, not perfectly, but it, no. It, I, it, I'm it, just it, saying they're, it, the, with their missing parts, they're freaking good. Yeah, like they were. Like, there's no question. Like, I beat up Glendale throughout the season about depth and how they practiced. Well, I was freaking wrong because the moment all the guys are gone, they just take the hammer and they brutal, br- brutishly crush people. Mm-hmm. 
And honestly, that really comes down to the coaching. Like we said, Dave Williams is a really intense guy, and I think he, I think he really preaches that follow through in terms of everything that's on the field. While you know, we we talked about Casey Rock's, uh, we talked about Casey Rock's try. We talked about how, um, like you know, how he how he's able to get back up from tackles and uh, keep going because he has such a really good motor. I, these are the kind of things that the Raptors are known for: is just smothering their opponents with their pace and like the, the, their nonstop, you know, kind of flawless execution. So it comes to a point where is there anybody in the United, in, in the United States who can even match their pace of play on the field? Because if not, then nobody's going to beat them in a game unless you're the Ontario Blues. Yeah, so it's it's going to be interesting because they play SD this week, and you know. Um, what is? I, I want San Diego to get that win so bad. I don't. Th- I I don't see it happening. You know, I, I just don't like the way. And even if it does match, and even if they do, I don't see San Diego being able to match up well with them the way they're playing when the Eagles come back. Although you have to admit that having Ryan Matias on that squad, like you know, they were totally assuming that they were going to be without him through this whole test window. I think that's going to that, that's definitely going to you know fare well for their for their team going into that I, matchup. I think, you know, Matias back is very helpful, but uh, we'll we'll talk about that very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on, uh, the final match of the weekend, which was yesterday, San Diego, just they're they're hanging out at home. I think there was close to four thousand people. Um, you saw the cohort out. Uh, one of the armored guys from that fan support group ran out. Uh, well, led the team out, uh, running up and down the sideline with like a an SD Legion flag. So that was kind of cool. Um, they were pretty loud. Except, uh, you know, when there was some kicking, I heard like conversations, but it wasn't like, you know, silent and it wasn't, there wasn't any hollering. I'm all about, I'm all about hollering as you know, but, uh, for the most part, man, so people have beaten some refs up. So I'm going to beat Paul Corbier up here. So he made some interesting calls, which I would have been like, eh. Okay, but I'm not worried about the interesting calls. I'm worried about, so you could say the interesting calls led to the back check. I'm worried about how some of the refs in MLR that have taken the center judge spot, specifically Corbier, um, and a little bit of Derek Summers and a little bit of Josh Houston, they'll make some calls. And then the play, like a lot of players. So on Saturday, on Sunday, a lot of players back chatted to Corbier and he didn't stop it. Like he needed to send a message and he did not send a message, which makes me wonder, Hey, you know, hold on to the cards because uh, playoffs are coming up soon. I, I don't think that happened, but <sighs> there were two things that annoy the shit out of me. Players starting a penalty before they're told to start the penalty. And that that the worst that happened was in that match. Like, you just saw, whether it was Austin or San Diego, they just, like, said the penalty, and, uh, you know, Leader or Guillemot or someone else would kick quick tap before he put the mark down. And it happened, like, 15 times. Which only just yeah, leads to further stops in play, and you're just like, fucking calm down. So that's 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 my thing, like, about that. The officiating in that game is just like, don't don't let yourself be disrespected. Like, 
be confident in your calls. And then if players are being idiots, then talk to the captain, enforce the penalty, and you know, give the penalty, give advantage to somebody else if someone's messing out, messing around. You know, you're you're able to do that, right? You know, if uh, you give a penalty to somebody and all of a sudden there's a swear word, you're able to give the penalty to the other team. So we've, we've seen that plenty of times. Uh, but man. Austin just so they won the battle up front. They won the scrum battle, which I've seen them do against San Diego before in the preseason, and, and also San, with their victory at Round Rock as well, where they kind of just yeah won but, but every they, fucking facet they, of that game. They, they won everything in that game. Yeah, but they committed too many penalties. They couldn't hold on to the ball, and their defense just had too many gaps. Um, credit to them in the second half for you know winning that battle for. You know, making it tough on Pat Blair. Ben Ben Mitchell made made Pat Pat, Pat Blair have to work for it on lineout throws. But uh, man, this was just such a it was just such a hard match to watch because of how Austin played on defense, and then the only reason that the San Diego gets credit here. I, I mean, it's really hard to give them credit. It's there were so many forward passes. There were so many ball drops by Austin. It was just it was a really tough match to watch because they just made so many mistakes after you know playing like three really complete matches in a row. Even though they were playing Seattle, they still hung tough at home. And then you know it, it goes back into what I've talked about all season that Austin is a yo-yo. They bounce up and down, and they bounce okay. deep down. Mm-hmm. Well, I think something can also be said for uh, I really like Nick Boyer at scrum half for the for the San Diego Legion. I think he kind of I think that was part of the problem for Austin was that Boyer had had the San Diego Legion working at a particular pace and 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 Austin just wasn't really able to wasn't able to realign themselves and like and, and like you said that led that led to gaps on defense and Austin once the score started to go up Austin kind of got ahead of themselves in terms of trying to do too much especially when they were trying to pass out uh pass out wide that's that that I think kind of led to a lot of the mental mistakes and a lot of the drops that kind of stopped uh you know like their own momentum that they were trying to gain cuz Austin definitely had some really good phases of play uh at, at intermittent points of the match they just couldn't be sustained like but because, like I said, they were get, they were getting ahead of themselves and trying to do too much at once to try to make sure they got ahead of San Diego early. Where I think a lot of the experience of a lot of players on San Diego, like Leader, like uh, Boyer, like uh, you know, like, like Matias, they were able to play the game at a speed that they felt comfortable. And I don't think Austin uh, was, I don't think that Austin was able to match that at a uh, level that was acceptable. I mean, I wonder though, because we've seen Austin play fast. And one of the things that Austin has been good at, especially in their victories, is their like support running and quick offload game. We've seen them like, well, they're just, well, they're, they will just do like three offloads in a row, hit the gap and score a try, you know? And that happened, I think, once. Uh, one of the best ones of play that I liked was Peter Naruma's try. And, but that, that was like the highlight of the game. Guillemon was horrible from the tee uh, yesterday uh, when he has been just an assassin. He's, you know, he's his nickname is the bullet because the ball goes everywhere he wants it to go. It did not go everywhere. He, it didn't go anywhere he wanted it to go on Sunday. And 
I think maybe he wasn't the only one that happened to, and we'll discuss that later. Wait a minute! I thought Gideon's name was the Iceman. What happened to that one? Who who called him? The, I, I've heard people calling him dude, the Iceman. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard the Iceman too, but this is rugby. Everybody has a million freaking nicknames. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, well, Victor, I know you've never played, but like, I mean, Eric, come on, how many nicknames have you had in your career? If like, if you um, really think about, I it. only had one. Well, well, luckily, I've had too many most of the time in rugby i'm called fidel which is really strange oh yo as well as it's settled down now it is ac or stro and that's how it is but thank god i mean I, i've heard <laughs> Iceman. i just didn't like that uh the bullet remember the guys have to be cool with what they're called too and i know he's cool with the bullet but but um it was just you know i like austin i want to see them i want to see them do well like i know those people it's like, i mean it's kind of tough i like Austin. you know oh yeah the san diego legion fans coming out yeah human interest like san diego's guys too nick boyer what he was able to do pace wise he played cheeky a little t- a few times i was like i was getting mad but uh, the way he played, the pace he wanted to play with, uh, the rhythm, they were set. They were good. Whereas, you know, starting a new scrum half. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that, that, that goes. I, I, tweeted, I tweeted about the kick coloration. So uh, let's, let's talk. So kick coloration was not a problem. The problem was. Yeah, it was. Uh, let's go into Corbier. Well, so San Diego has a white kit that they could have used. And. Uh, Austin also has a white alternate kit of you, but the entire time Corbier is like black, and I'm like, they're both black. One is orange, one is red. He said it's orange. When he was talking, when he was talking about Austin, he said orange. By the way, well, he started he started calling like calling them black, and I'm just like, oh, bro, that's weird. They're both they're both wearing black. One has red, one has orange. Can we just can we do that? But yeah, um, the producer says it was a problem, so apparently it was a problem. Yes, I, I think it. We want we want kits to really contrast, and there was just too much black on the pitch. Wasn't there a passing error of a? a I think it was a San, it no, was, was it an Austin player passing it to a San Diego player? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, it was wicked blatant too. Yeah, it, it was. Like, yeah, it was Sunula. Was like, hey, bro, hey, bro, pa- pass it here, pass it. <laughs> Pass it here, man. Yo, has, has anybody else done that in the? I I can't tell you how many times I did that. I'd be like running behind like on an opponent, and be like, "Yo, ball, ball, ball." Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like uh, no, it's more like uh, so when you're practicing with your own team and you're yeah. playing, um, you're playing touch sevens, um, not like not like NRL touch, not act, not yeah. pro- not proper touch, just regular touch, and it's like. You no one's everyone's wearing like whatever they're wearing, and all of a sudden they're like strong. AC ball ball AC and you pass the other guy. That's basically what happened. It was, it was yeah. Oh, poor Roland. I'm sure he was kicking himself. I mean, and like that. especially like when you're running with the ball, you will re- you rely a lot on what you see out of your peripheral vision. So if all you see is kind of like a flash of you know like some sort of like uh, like you know like dark coloration with the black like on there, you know, eh, well, offload. I mean, you're you're. You want to put the ball in the right place. The ball in the right place is going to be between like the belly button and the chest. So, uh, well, that's where we get a problem, right? Because yeah. 
nipples up, both jerseys were black. Like, ugh. Uh, it just, it just, I, I mean, like, like, did, did they show up to the field, look at each other while warming up, be like, is this going to be an issue? <laughs> yeah, it, it was. So. It's like we're in the same dress out to the club, you know, just it, it happens to all of us. <laughs> yeah, you know, I is it, it it was so. Um so so yeah, good for San Diego. They have clinched the playoffs. Um also, for all those that don't know, just so that we get it out before the news, uh tickets for the entirety of the MLR Championship Series are on sale so you can buy your doubleheader tickets uh for Infinity Park now and you can also buy your championship match tickets uh, for Torero Stadium. So that's going to be really cool. Um, but let's get to Scotland. Eagles USA. Um, so 30 to 29, man. Uh, there was the way this game was going, it was kind of funny because so Blair Kinghorn scores the first try and he then converts it the first try, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, this this could get bad because for about 30 seconds, it looked really tight. And then all of a sudden, they just do what they do. And they go wide and Kinghorn goes in and then, you know, boots it through. Which I, I guess was a surprise to some Scottish fans. Uh, even though he kicks a lot, he hasn't kicked uh, for the national team in a while. And for the most part of the night, his, his boot was good except, you know, late <laughs> – when it mattered. When it mattered. When it mattered the most. Uh, but it was just you, – you had this feeling because, you know, I, I spoke with the coaching staff and, you know, I, I, you talk to some of the guys and they pull you aside and they go, Aaron. It's like because they all have like foreign accents. It's like, Aaron, what, what, what do you think? Or something like that. And it's like, you know, it's, it's like the best chance we have in a long time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I think so. It's like, I think, and you know, I'm talking to, you know, my friends that we were talking at the lunch table. It's like, I think we got a shot. I think we got a shot. I'm like, I think we got a shot too. I just think we need to play well. And we didn't play well. We did not. We played good. We yeah, play I was going to say, we, we, yeah. we played okay in the second half. And I think that had a lot to do with Gary Gold whipping them to shape in the locker room during halftime. Well, but I think it definitely, it definitely can't be denied, though, that that second half, our, our ability to come back was based a lot more on Scotland making mistakes than it really well, – well, and our ability to kind of capitalize on – Let's talk mistakes. about some of that, right? So yeah. we end the first half. Um, AJ puts two through because we, we did what we needed to do. We won the kicking game for the most part in the first half. Um, yes, we're down 24 to thir- – 20, you know, 24 to 13, 13. to end the half. But it was twenty-one to thirteen, and then we commit a last-second penalty and give him, mm-hmm. give Blair Kinghorn a chance to add to the damage. But for the most part, it's twenty-one, it's twenty-one freaking six, man, and it's looking, it's looking bad. And then we push the ball down deep, and Joe Tofate surges across the try line, just boom. Okay, we're back in this, and. Um, the team's just like, all right, we got this. You know, AJ puts it up, and it's 13 points, 21, and we're basically ready to head to the sheds, and we sort of screw up, um, give the, turn the ball over, commit a penalty, and it's 24-13, but you, 
it was it was eerie, like, especially in the press room, listening to the Scots and talking to them. And, you know, come out in the second half, what happens? Joe. Just mm. Joe. Just you know, crushes it. Just JT. pushes it right through. And you talk about, you know, people that whose games were just on. And, you know, I was talking to some people after the game. You know, it's, we're talking about different positions and when you should manage their time and how they come off. It's like, well, some – well, some players you got to look at it like with the baseball mentality, like fly half, scrum half, those guys. If the pitcher's on the mound and he's in the ninth inning and he's throwing a perfect game, do you take him out? Hell no. I don't know if you're if you're Alf Daniels with Don Potty, then yeah, then yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, can we can, can we just rewind actually a bit to that game? Like that Don Potty got substituted out in the last ten minutes of the game, despite the oh, fact man. that I didn't see any injury. I didn't. Oh, man. <laughs> that, yeah, was, that is such a good point, though. That was so bad. That was so bad. Yeah. So bad. That game of his freaking career. Exactly, so and you take him out, and you take him out. I agree. But I mean, I, I, I would say when it comes to subs, maybe maybe he's making all the calls, but Utah has made some funky calls when it comes to subs. Like there have been some funky calls. Like I like I would put guys based on how the game was being played. I would start. I would push guys in earlier, or I would push guys in later because some guys were having good games. And that's one of those points where you just you just leave the guy on, you just let it go. Which is what happened with AJ. Like. You know, in the second half, Gary said you, that he was confident with certain players be having good field vision and seeing gaps and letting them shoot through and do crazy things. We wanted to play attacking rugby wound, push the ball deep so that it was in their half, inside their 22 often. Uh, and AJ just the, – the last score of the game is set up by him, and he boots it. He sees the gap. He looks to the left. There's going to be some support runners. He wasn't necessarily sure, but he looks to the left, and then he puts it down. And Matt Fagerson psh, loses it. Right? Uh, it's like he touches the ball. It goes backwards. Mm-hmm. And AJ had turned the burners on. That's right. He scooped it up, looked to his, looked to his right. Um, he, was going to get, he was going to get tackled, and then mm-hmm. looks left. Hank goes right there. Some words were probably exchanged, something like, I'm right here. <laughs> you know, and then he tosses, he offloads, he offloads over his shoulder to Hanko. Hanko goes in. We're up. I'm hurt. Yeah. That was a horrible, was, I also, a horrible accent. I just want to uh, send a shout out to Hanko, uh, by, uh, who actually responded to my drunk text message after the game. I really appreciate it. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Man, you have yeah. – how do you have so many player – man, don't – why do you have so many player numbers? That's that's cute of you. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no, no, it's not even numbers, just Facebook. Oh. Like <laughs> and Facebook. and, and drunk confidence in terms of messaging people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this, this one is a really fun drunk. Let me tell you, this Liam right here. Really fun <laughs> Dude, I lost uh, my cell phone that weekend in New York, man. I mean, I have a ton of – I mean, I have I a ton of emails – because we're like official, but 
I think I have more Canadian players on my Facebook friends list. Than wow. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty bad because that says like how like things work. What uh, do Canadian it, players talk? What do Canadian people talk about on Facebook? Because in America, it's just political rant and like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Like, well, I mean, my move um, has bigger antlers. Well, uh, most of them for the most part are more like Zach Pangelin. And so like fishing, hunting and, uh, and grilling like that that's so far has been the case with yeah. my canadian like the canadian athletes that i it's, that it I sounds know. a lot like vermont <laughs> yeah so um shout out to zach pangeline in front of the show and friend of mine apparently yeah uh, no he, I've, he, I've, he, ooh, good. I, I, I i was i was able to interview zach really nice guy i also get to uh i got to talk to him a little bit down in houston like you know again like even when you met, meet him, I, I met him the week he got suspended, so he wasn't playing that yeah. week. So he, he had every right to be in a bad mood, but he was cool as a cucumber. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talk about you know Scotland's passing errors when they had the ball. Uh, I talked to you know there's there's two things that go into this. So Gregor Townsend makes mention of you know the weather, and you know every, anyone who talks to anyone who talks to. Gary Gold says that the weather is not a factor. He says, you better not look for it to be a factor. Don't create excuses. And like, you don't create excuses for it to like negatively affect you. And you don't say it's an advantage, which he said, like he wouldn't say he chewed me out, but he was like emphatic when we were in the pre tour press conference about that. And he was just like, no, the weather does the weather conditions do not, uh, like the, we have, they, we have to play in it too. Right. And but Gregor Townsend was talking about how during the week, you know, they they enjoyed coming to the states, but it was so humid that during during training, the ball was just slippery. It like it was they the moment they took the balls out of the bus, they were just wet, and they were like the amount of drying off of balls they had to do was insane. It just made it really tough when they were practicing, and the same conditions applied in the game. And I think. You know, I was I spoke to Odds today uh, on an interview with Ryan Ginty, and he was just like, you know, the, the ball is slippery for us too. We just kind of got lucky, and uh, you know, part of that was playing was like so, and this comes into playing the attacking style of rugby that we're playing, putting the ball in the air, putting it deep into their field, and then uh, you know, being sure-handed with who we got, we 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 punished them. We with our guys, and you we, know, we were able to play ping pong like Forrest Gump with the kicking game. Let's it's just like put it our, our, our friend, the rugby evangelist, uh, coined the term hashtag brute squad. And brute we squad. put we put out this big, fast team, and we pushed the ball to freaking we cycled the ball to our powerful runners so that it would just drive up the tackle rate in the second half, which probably ca- I would say caused a lot of the errors. Uh, of the uh, of the Scottish because of the same people, you know, talking to Blaine Scully after the match. It's like, so we have these ball, these talented ball carriers that are powerful runners, but guess what? They also hit like freaking, you know, sledgehammers. So we just played the kind of defense that put them in position to lay the hits. So you had, you know, they ran Samu Manoa, Joe Tofate. Uh, Paul Lasique up the gut to drive that tackle count up and just fatigue uh, Scotland. But then they use those same guys like Bryce Campbell, Marcel Brocky, Paul Lasique, uh, Paul Mullen, um, 
you know, Johnny Locks is so physical. Quill, uh, you know, shout out to John Quill. He came off injured. Uh, so I think he's going to be Waterboy this week. Kind of sucks. Uh, but he, because he's been having a great tour. But, you know, we, we just did the things that I think were already in the game plan and we executed them good enough. But we almost lost this one. I mean, yeah, we definitely almost lost this one because it was against a tier one nation and it was against the Scots, who are just naturally a very brutish people. You know, nothing against the Scots. It's definitely a compliment when it comes to the rugby field. But kind of like what we were saying, like we both had to play in the same conditions. And when it comes down to it, discipline is a good 25, 30% of playing rugby. We didn't make the mistakes that Scotland did in the second half. We we're able to play a, a, a you know a more mistake three second half and that's that's all the difference is it's kind of like it's like when a Seahawks fans like oh if we had just given it to Marshawn we would have won that Super Bowl it's just like but you didn't give it to Marshawn because you had fucking Pete Carroll calling your plays like well that's so so I, I mean I, I wrote about this sort of uh, in my match recap uh, so you know said hi to Nate but he made a bad tactical decision. He mm-hmm. pulled up the ball. We there was ninety. There was a, all, about ninety seconds left. Last two minutes of the game, Scotland commits a penalty, turnover ball. We have the ball within. You know we're pretty much just running rucks at the five meet our own five meter line. But that's all we have to do is just keep picking and going across the pitch, and just burn clock. But Nate pulled up box kick and turned the ball over. And, you know, they win. Scotland wins the line out and they try to, they got dumb. They got real dumb. Um, they spent about, yeah, they, they spent the next like minute and 20 after they got that line out trying to push it through the middle. And the way our forwards were tackling, man, there was no way. There was no way they got through. And then all of a sudden, their scrum half goes, huh. Passes the ball out wide. Uh, we had a defensive lapse. Uh, Odge talked about that. Uh, AJ, for all those that don't know, but it, it's called we call it Odge because that's actually what it is. Uh, McGinty was talking about it. Uh, I asked him what he needed to do because he basically flew to get there uh, and tackle the guy in the try zone, and he was more like showing that he was kind of mad, and he's like, why would you talk to me about that? I was like, no, 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 what you did – was important because yes, there was a defensive lapse uh, in the system because they just push that ball really, really fast out wide and they just do what they do, you know, score wide tries yet. He was in the right position to stop the dude from, you know, running into the center under the post and making set up that, that kick for Kinghorn to be just the toughest thing he's ever kicked in his life. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, guys, that AJ or Ash, I guess I have to call him now, Ash from Pokemon, I guess. But he Hush. definitely. <laughs> oh, Hash. Oh, Ash. 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 <laughs> or as it, or as they say in Irish, Gurif Mahakut. Apparently, his his little brother oh, sure. couldn't couldn't pronounce Alan, oh. so they, he called him okay. Aj. 
Yeah. Okay. Very well. Okay, that's another word into my Irish vocabulary besides thank you and Kemi la falta, a thousand welcomes. Anyways, so he was in position to um to tackle uh, Dookie Five into the the touchdown and end the game right there, but what of course what happened was that as soon as the pass was made to uh, to Five. He started running as McGinty was trying to get into him. He, it, it, the thing is, he was in a good position to grab him, I guess, by the by the waist and push him out. But unfortunately, that didn't happen, and he got the chance to score. But McGinty, I'm sure nine out of ten would have was would, probably would have made that um, that tackle out of the again into the in goal line and in the game rather. But he, man, he it's, it's what it is. Like, it happens. You're saying that was his intent. And I was like, well, yeah, it didn't happen, but mm-hmm. because of where you made him score the try, mm-hmm. that made all the difference. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I'm not, of course. I mean, it happens. I mean, it happens and to the best of us, I'm sure. I mean, I definitely couldn't have been the only one thinking that, like, watching that game. It's like, please, because, like, I knew he was going to score the try. Like, their momentum was just going forward and forward. Mm-hmm. I was just like, please get him in the corner. Please. And it freaking happened. And exactly, sure enough, that's, that's right. Um, I mean, but like, and so you got that, and then Landry in the middle of that had come out from his mm-hmm. had passed his HIA and and Quill's injury, and right after that, right, and it's just like, oh no, bef- right before that, uh, Quill gets injured, and they call. I'm pretty sure they call the water break, and Wayne Barnes is on the sideline with the manager, and they're trying to figure out how the heck do they get 15 on the pitch. Right. So, well, Hanko had gone in for Landry's HIA. So he had to, Hanko had to come off. We knew that. And I don't know why that took forever, but they, they got the laws done. Hanko, Hanko comes off and uh, Will McGee goes on um, and slots into the back line on the left side, uh, which, you know, he, he landed some good tackles uh, when those rucks were coming in on the, uh, the right side of the pitch towards the try zone. So it was very important that he went on, but uh, it was just insane to watch that. But how about booing? Not booing. It wasn't booing. Oh, uh, d- during the final kick. The, I, the you, Twitter sphere was going nuts, but I was there. There was no, it wasn't booing. It was like, there were people like hollering, making all mm-hmm. kinds of noise. But most of that was USA chance. Yeah, no. how could how could you not be like hollering how could you like it's it's exciting you're at a freaking sports match yeah, this so is this is why i don't think we need to take the whole european ideals of 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 watching sports that seriously well, I, i'm just like so people are like well respect and i'm like well well fuck res- you well, well, well not, not that <laughs> not not that man. i said i'm from boston no 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 that that is yeah, that is that but, here but here's, here's the thing <laughs> So respect comes in different ways. Making it as tough vote, like uh, verbally, you know, not like insults, but just creating so much noise that it makes it difficult is a a form of respect for a kicker. And if you don't think it is, then, I mean, welcome to America. Fans like to be a part of their team. So in this case, the 16th Eagle, you know, the 16th man. That's what we got. We got going on in this country, and I'm all about it. Um, the the ninth talent, yeah. So the knife forward, 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was a special moment uh, of the game as it just got really loud and Kinghorn misses the kick. And then 20 seconds later, because it's in extra time, Wayne Barnes blows the whistle. That was awesome. And, you know, we, we win our first game against a Tier 1 opponent. Uh, you know, I guess not really a Tier 1 country. A Tier 1 country since they went to the Tier system, but we beat France way back in the day, two, mm-hmm. tw- two Olympics in a row. But um, uh, Yeah, this, yeah, uh, back in like 1914. 1924. 1924. 1924. You made it sound like it was in the 90s. I mean, like. Both times we, we upset the French. Like we were supposed to get crushed. So, mm-hmm. um, but but uh, road to Romania, uh, the United States lost the aggregate series, tied the game 40-22. Like I said early in the show, we, uh, you know, we went wire to wire. Uh, missed out, uh, you know, first game, mm-hmm. no Kieran Farmer. Yep. Don't know I what's was- up with that. Awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, let, you want me to check on that, Aaron, since I was in, uh, I was in attendance? I mean... You can talk about that. It's just I. He played the warm up game, so all the fly halves were in residence for the camp uh, early on. So he played the warm up game against Austin, and if you watch the tape, you know he's the one crushing it in the second half. I mean, he wasn't, and then he just didn't make the roster. I don't, I don't know what it takes there. Um, the Walsh kid is pretty good, but he's like mm-hmm. eighteen, and he's going to be a freshman at Cal. Uh, so it, yeah. it wasn't really a factor on Saturday, but it was a factor on Tuesday. No, 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 fuck you. No, no opinion for oh. Tuesday's match. Fuck you. So, <laughs> so if you look at the film, the AER match is the Austin Elite U23s versus uh, JAAs is up on the AER Facebook, and then the Canada matches are on. The, oh gosh, there's two victors. So <laughs> let's just um, cut that short. Basically, I think Kieran Farmer needed to be on this roster, and you know things might have been different because guess what? It's the first time that uh, Walsh and Ruben de Haas had played together, and Kieran Farmer and Ruben de Haas have played together like ten times in the past. So they know each other, they know each other's tendencies, and things would have been different. Um, but. Mm-hmm. Let's get through on some, you know, accolades. Major League Rugby Player of the Week is JP Eloff from Nola Gold. He crushed it. Uh, play of the Week for EOD. Uh, let's say uh, Don Patty twice because he just took a knife and sliced and diced. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what was your guys' game of the week? I thought Seattle Glendale, but. No, I definitely had to. I definitely had to go with uh, Nola Utah uh, for Me many too. of the yeah for many of the reasons that we discussed. It was a very up and down game, but especially if you weren't necessarily a fan of either team, like even the lows of the game were pretty exciting, um, just because it kind of added to the suspense. Um, I, again, it was. I, I thought. I thought Nola had a, like a, a much more balanced attack um, in terms of you know it, it, like more, more than we were giving them credit for earlier in the show. Well, I mean, well, not gonna really dig into it. They they do have an attack. I know exactly what their system is. Um, you know, it's a multiple uh, based out of one three three one and two four two, depending on what they see. You know, they they play both. So 
it was just the way that game sort of went for me. But uh, week nine predictions, which was Saturday, Sunday. Uh, what did you guys have? Uh, and I know Liam wasn't here, so and I forgot to write Brian's down. I think he was wrong on all of them. So mm-hmm. uh, I think so. I had Utah minus seven. Um, so I got my ass kicked there. Uh, and then that was uh, Nola at Utah, forty-six to forty-three. Victor and Corey. Vic, Corey, are you there? You Yo. F- okay, Victor, hey. what did you have? I had Nola by ten, so I got the right team, but I was way off in the score. <laughs> and I had uh, Utah by fourteen, so I was hoping for some uh, home field magic there. So, so um, the next match, Seattle at Glendale Raptors. I had Glendale Raptors minus two. That was way off. That should have been uh, maybe minus 20. Um, <laughs> In hindsight, I got Seattle by seven. I wanted to go against the green thinking, you know what? Let's see, probably Seattle was going to finally give uh, the, the Raptors uh, their first loss. And, and at home on top of that, but nah, I was wrong. I should have gone with yeah, I should have gone with Glendale anyway. You guys can just assume that all of my predictions would have been correct. <laughs> Uh, they weren't There's in no Subaru, doubt. so yeah. Ooh, but um, then you yeah. had you you selected another prediction of a tie. Yeah, no, this was that uh, controversial call, and it did not pay off. So <laughs> at all. So uh, and then um, then I had Austin minus five. Yeah, that was a mistake. Oh. That yeah. was a mistake. Well, I had San Diego by ten, so. That, that fits, and yep. then uh, court. And I had San Diego by seven. So, yeah. Uh, moving on to week ten predictions, uh, you know, people are going to say I want this, I want that, but I'm going pretty stiff. Glendale minus twelve. They are playing at the Legion, but they are just they're just going. Um. Oh, I I, I actually had the same thing. I have Glendale minus twelve uh, as well. I just you think- minus nine. Minus nine. What? Oh no! Other way around. For the next game, I have minus twelve. Yeah, uh, sorry, but Glenn. Yeah, I, I have Glenn, Glendale minus nine. I think it's going to come down to the kicking game. But I, uh, like, I, like I've been saying, I think Glendale's just been a lot more consistent team all this season. They're going to go undefeated, unfortunately. Mm-hmm, I agree, and I'm going to go also Glad- Glendale. But let's do it by fourteen, just in case. <laughs> well, and they just they just beat Seattle by twenty two. So I'm going to go ahead and say Glendale by twenty on the road. Damn. Raptors unshakable. Yeah. Uh, so for the next game, Houston at the Utah Warriors. You know, I spoke with uh, – didn't get a chance to speak with Fitzy, but I did speak with a lot of the guys. Um, Kyle Sumsey and Matt Truville, uh, Sam Windsor. Uh, you know, these are my people. I love those guys. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, you know, we talked about a lot of things uh, on, on Friday, and I just – there's just no way I see them, you know, just skidding. There's no way. They oh, are, they are, oh, too, they are too good. Oh, um, I know the record doesn't show much, but they oh, are. Their chemistry is there. They're they're a good team, and they're gonna show it. And I'm going close since they're away, but I've got you, um, Houston minus one. Uh, I went with Houston minus 12. So this is the actual minus 12 that uh, I had chosen from the other prediction. 
But to, for the reason that you said, Aaron, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of these guys in person, particularly when I was down in Houston just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they're a really good team. Unfortunately, what's been hindering them is their lack of success in the big play. I feel like they they tend to play uh, very safe. They play this northern hemisphere style of game where it's just kind of the uh, like the pick and drive with the forwards, and it hasn't really resulted in a lot of, uh, I guess you can call it uh, game breaking plays. But I think this, I, I, I like like you said, I can't see them finishing out this season on anything other than, other but a good note. So yeah, Houston minus twelve. I believe in them. I don't. I'm going to go with Utah <laughs> minus ten. <laughs> and uh, no, I'm just ripping like my freaking <laughs> my headphones out. Uh, uh, funny, Liam. Oh, uh, and I'm a cynic, kind of like Victor here. I'm going to say Utah by seven. So, uh, dude, man, if, if I tell you this, if Houston wins. <laughs> And Liam comes back. I'm not going to hear that. I'm not going to eat the hand of it. It's got like, Victor, see, I told you. <laughs> this this will be my happy dance. And Oh, yeah. I, I don't remember that for next week. I don't remember that. So, yeah. um, so Corey, what did you yeah. have here? Uh, well, it looks like uh, you were going to talk about uh, Eagles so versus what, But what did you have? I don't think I heard you. Oh, I said I have uh, Utah by seven. I was agreeing with uh, Victor. Okay. All right, Sorry. so the final-ish sort of thing. Uh, I mean, we're going to have a long show because we owe you. But um, Eagles versus Canada preview. So this is what I got, guys. Uh, Canada is banged up. Their captain is out. DTH, Vandermeer is injured. So uh, one of the big things Blaine Scully talked about versus uh, Scotland was just getting double tackles, punishing the ball carriers. Uh, if you can do that on, you know, some of their talented runners right now, it's going to be like Staller and Hassler are going to carry the ball most of the time. And they're, you know, wing and fullback. You got to, you got to punish them. Um, this is, Kansas is just not good right now. However, we can't do what we've done in the past, which is play down, see Brazil three years ago. Um, dominate up front. Uh, I think we're just, Right now, we're just set up. I think Mullen is an answer at tight head for a long time. The issue that we will face is getting the guys behind him to push him to get better. Uh, and because for the most part, we, we don't have a lot of prop depth. Uh, Eric Fry, it's good to see his form back in camp. Uh, I think he might get some rest and he will be on the bench for T. Lamosatelli, who is now like ready to go in match fitness. Uh, and we've got we've got Mighty Joe. Mighty Joe will like I love you, Raimondo. I love you. My people. <laughs> but I think he's gonna eat I, I think he's gonna eat both Howie and Ray Barkwell's lunch uh, up front. Um and then we've got the butcher to back him up. It, it's gonna be that we're gonna win we need to win the battle up front, which shouldn't be necessarily that difficult. And uh, like I said, Quill is uh, injured for right now. So, but he did make the trip to Halifax. So, but unless he gets cleared, I I'm pretty sure that Billy Tolutau will be the second guy that gets capped this tour. And you know, I I think he's you know he's earned it, right? Uh, so he will probably play some play a lot of six, and Landry will get the start at six. A uh, possession game. Just just keep the ball inside their 22. 
It's going to be wet again. It's going to rain. It's going to be nasty. Drive the ta tackle counts high with uh, your talented ball runners. And, you know, should be a good time. What I want to see. So what do you guys want to see in this game? Like as far as like score wise. I want to see another USA Russia. Or or <laughs> probably keep it then to zero. That would be even better. Sixty-four to zero. Just for the hell of it. But you know what, Aaron, I do agree. The Eagles should not play down versus Canada just because Canada is going through a rough time. If you don't believe me, See what happened in USA Scotland. That Scotland uh, team that played USA, obviously, I don't want to take it away from the Eagles because they played great. I mean, they had their spots here and there. But that was a second to third string team. They had a couple of their starters. I mean, their main one, obviously, was Stuart Hogg. But most of those guys don't play consistently in the team. Actually, I take that back. Um, you also had Byron McGuigan, who's sort of becoming a starter for Gregor Townsend. But then in the in the when it came to the um, the score halves, you had Sammy Dangle uh, Klein, and he doesn't even play that often uh, with the main team anymore. They usually just have him just in case someone gets injured to pull him out of Edinburgh and put him there. But you know that's whatever. But <laughs> the point, Canada definitely wanted to score as many points as possible. I think they're definitely going to definitely going to win this game. I'd be surprised if they don't. But hopefully they're going to keep the team. As similar as possible. I, I I totally disagree. I mean I I I'm I'm calling USA 25, Canada 10. I think the USA um they're gonna take it they're going to take advantage of Canada's injury. I think we're I think our pro I I, I think our forwards are a lot more suited to play uh play out like a full 80 minute game and play it well. You know like all the all the love in the world to Ray Barkwell, but he's this one guy. Um. You know, like Aaron was saying, I think the addition of Paul Mullen is going to be really, uh, you know, beneficial to this squad. I think it's going to be a pick and drive kind of game in the rain. Uh, we're going to keep the ball away from Canada, and we're going to cruise to this victory. I, Go so Usta. I want to put on a lot of points. I really do, uh, because we kind of need them if we want to move up. But I think uh, let's go thirty-five-seven. I think they're going to score one, and it's going to be like normal. They're going to score one early, and then that's going to be it. That's what I think is going to go. And then I, and then we're just going to chip away the rest of the game. But like you said, it's going to be rainy. The grass is going to be a little bit long. It's just – it's going to – the thing that it's not going to be is humid, and it's at sea level, and we've just played two games in the shit uh, when it comes to conditions. I think we're going to play well, but – I think we're going to need to play a little bit more conservative because of it's going to be a lot more wet in Halifax than it was in Houston, but I, I don't think it's going to be that tight of a match. So, Corey, what do you got? Yeah, well, the only thing I was going to say about the USA-Canada is just a reminder that this is, this is a rivalry match for the USA, and uh, especially if they've got some of the younger guys on there that may, maybe haven't done this as many times. He's got a, he's got a dog. Who's got a dog in their background? Uh, that's probably me. Oh. I've got two of them. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, USA is going to go up there, and I think they're going to be ready to play, and I think they're going to uh, squash them. I think they're going to be uh, crying all the way home, uh, drinking maple syrup, and uh, just being sad, sad, sad Canadians. A single tear runs down his face. Yep. All right, so uh, moving on from that, I think if you guys are good with it, we'll uh, do a tweet of the week. What do you say? Right. Yep. Why not? 
So, uh, of course, we couldn't uh, do Tweet of the Week this week without uh, having something about the USA-Scotland match. So we're taking a quick departure from uh, MLR this week to celebrate a great, great win. Um, so this one comes from uh, Jordan Burroughs, who's a uh, world-renowned uh, wrestler uh, from the University of Nebraska, and uh, he's an Olympian now and has uh, wrestled all over the place. And he said uh, that was speaking after the match he said that was the first time or first usa rugby i've ever watched fully and i still don't understand the rules but i absolutely love it congratulations on the huge victory over scotland so this is this is a guy um you know once again proving why these games need to be out and approachable for uh, an American audience, because here's somebody who is an elite athlete in his own right, who you know doesn't come from a world where he knows a lot about rugby, but he is watching it and he knows just instinctually that this is elite play and exciting uh, performance. So I I don't know I I was really happy with that tweet and uh, kind of excited for the future when i read stuff like that and think about what's what's possible with more more eyes on on usa and that feeling that kind of uh we can't have a paywall that's exactly right i was gonna say though like that tweet kind of encapsulates a lot of uh people's first times ever watching rugby it's like i have no idea what i just saw but god damn do i love it <laughs> <laughs> all right so trying to wrap it up so um i don't get smacked because it's about to be dinner time uh so signing mom like (laughs) i live with with, uh, a wonderful lady hey Corey. hi the wonderful lady we we can we can keep those normally i'm the chef but since i'm injured she's cooking we can keep those questions (laughs) um but uh so transactions austin signs lou stanfield uh not sure if we talked about michael romero uh from france he was a u18 um, probably definitely scouted by Alan Yarde. Uh, Lou Stanfield, you know, I was wondering about what kind of shape Lou would be in because he hasn't played in a couple of years. I know he's been a workout warrior and he just crushes it, but he was fit. So um, interesting that he signed for the rest of the season, which was only one game or is it two games? Do they play next week? I forget. No, they don't, right? So it would be for the no. playoffs. Yeah, no, they're done. Yeah, so um, that was weird. Uh, and then views, news, and abuse. I didn't catch a lot for the show this week. But uh, the Scottish media delayed response for, you know, the game. Like, so the guys who were at the game in the press room were like, well done. You should have you won by more. But the delayed response from, like, the guy from the media that weren't at the game, that just watched the game – which came out today? Oh my Jesus! Like guys, you're like burning your team rather than just giving us some credit for something that's been like a long time in the making. I know that you guys were blooding new players and stuff like that, but it's it's oh. like the it's like the Titanic is going down right now. It's got <laughs> but um, good. All right, questions from Bob Corey. All right, yep. Uh, okay, so yeah, we've got some good ones this week. Um, first up, uh, this one came from a uh, comment thread uh, on Reddit, and once again, as always, you can check us out on 
reddit.com slash r slash mlrugby. So Doom on U77 wants to know, does anybody know if there will be another season of MLR or is that something that won't be announced until after the championship? Um, yes, it's going yes. to be from January to May with playoffs in June. And then players get released for World Cup warm-ups uh, in July. Uh, that was in uh, an interview two weeks ago with uh, a local TV station in Salt Lake City. Uh, and I al- Dean House. And I also believe that in order just to enter the league, you had to prove that you had the money to pay at least four years worth of five five years worth of salary. Um, and and so this is and the salary have- the salary cap is progressive. Yeah, because the amount of matches goes up next year. Hmm. Yeah, and we we cannot express this enough. This is not PRO where the money is just going to run out. Checks are going to stop. Are and then checks are going to be stopped being written. There's too much oversight, you know, which is something that USA Rugby could uh, take a lesson from. But uh, other than that, though, no, I think MLR is in a really good place. Or I am. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Some something's yeah. ca- caught in your throat there. I'll be chill. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it sort of tastes like betrayal. Yeah. <laughs> twerk! Twerk! Out of, whoa, that was, that was weird. <laughs> All right. So, Say Nee wants to know, is MLR going to have a draft similar to the NFL? Uh, yes. I mean, yes, but it's going to be a while, and it sounds like the concept would be more like, I, I guess, the, the MLR draft, which um, – Allows, the MLR draft will be like the MLR the, draft. The, the MLS draft, rather, that says, like, so players that are developed by their, an academy that go off to a college, they can't, that decide to enter the draft rather than return to the team they were developed by, they can get drafted, and then the team that developed them through the academy will get compensated with picks or something. I don't, it's complicated. Well, I mean, I, I think that's fair, though, because if, if if in the end the draft, if getting drafted means you get paid more money, I think players should have that opportunity. I mean, I, I just don't like this whole idea, like, because you see you saw this with the early days of a professional baseball in the United States where players were more or less locked into a single team. Well, and right I, don't, now, I, I don't want that to happen in rugby. Right or, now, pl- I mean – I know it was early days, you know, when the Legion launched their big press conference back in the end of February, early March, and Dean Howes answered a question, and he said there was no free agency. Uh, and I think that has that has everything to do with that. There is no minimum salary right now. Minimum salary is a match fee. So players don't have mobility, period. They, they don't. Uh, unless they can um, – the part-time guys – the players that have mobility within the league are the full-time guys. And then the part-time guys need to make sure it's, I hope part-time is over by like year four or five, by the way. But uh, the part-time guys are kind of stuck based on what the trades they work in, like how, like where they work. So uh, I don't want it to be like baseball for like where 70 years, the players can't go anywhere. And the contracts are strictly like, you know, for seventy years the the contracts were shit, right? Yeah. But um, I, I don't want it to be like that. 
And also, you have, you have to remember, rugby is a little bit culty, and so if you have like if you have somebody enter an academy at age fourteen, and that academy just kind of is just like it's all about this team, it's all about this team, and but like you know, what if a player decides that another team with another culture is more beneficial to me, and I think the draft can give that to me. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think if a player stays like the idea, as I've discussed it uh, on the interview I had with. Uh, Matt Hawkins is like if the player stays with that academy and like goes to like a junior college and plays in the senior academy and stuff, well, though they won't enter the draft because their rights are like held. But at that point, we should have free agency. At that point, it's like the CFL. Yeah, yeah. So we should, but at that point, we should be able to move around, right? Yeah, uh, hopefully. Well, so that's my answer about the draft. Uh, I think it's going to happen. Uh, what it looks like, I have no freaking clue. So to sum up, yes, draft, not like the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last question of the night, and this is one I've been looking forward to. Uh, Russ the Man 16, how much of the Eagles' success this June can be attributed to the MLR? And I think this That's is a big good. question. This is a million-dollar question right now. I mean, look, look at people like – look at Paul Asike, like, uh, you know, like, for instance – I think you know he 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 was kind of an afterthought after leaving the NFL, and I think the MLR kind of you know put uh, like put it put his name at the forefront of people who could potentially be a big help to the Eagles. Uh, same thing, you know, like Honko's been Honko's been in the circuit, you know, like for uh, for a while now. But I think these these last couple of months working with the Austin Elite have kind of pushed him over the edge of elite status. And you know, the Raptors have always been the Raptors, but it's the fact that they have that professional environment to work to work in and to continue to develop in i think is one of the reasons why they've been able to play at that level people like sean davies and bryce campbell and whatnot i mean when it comes to this i think our players are at match fitness when they got to camp whereas you know previous to this because you know two-thirds of our player pool has had been amateur full amateur forever they, they weren't fit when they got to camp. So the only way to get fit was if we had a long camp, but usually we'd only have three or four days before our first test because we didn't have any <clears throat> money, right? But we had a mini camp. Players that didn't come from Europe got released to their MLR teams, played a game for Russia, and then performed for full camp, made cuts, sent players back to their, uh, you know, sent three players back to their MLR teams. And, you know, we had guys, we, we talked about Paul Asike. So when Paul Asike burst onto the, you know, into the Eagles side during the ARC when he got his first cap, he wasn't at 80 minutes match fit. And, you know, he's played 65 minutes each one of these matches. Like, he is fit and ready to go. Um and, uh, you know, we can so – if we go by players selected on MLR form, Paul Mullen was selected on preseason MLR form, and then Vili Tolutau was selected on purely on MLR form. He had been in the high-performance system as a junior All-American and an All-American. But – so he was on the radar, but he was selected based on how he played at the seven. So match fitness – High-quality fixtures so that the players are playing good games, but the majority of these players were already in the squad. So, but 
uh, I think someone else talked about it on Reddit is like the level of competition is just so much drastically higher for those 26 spots. Yeah. How about, how about, uh, visibility and just having, you know, clips that you can show people, uh, I would imagine being on TV week in and week out helps too for uh, just increasing your your status and uh, your visibility. Oh, I mean, well, that's so. You want to know why some players weren't selected that were playing rugby? Why high, high quality match film that can be analyzed? I mean, that definitely works out for Gary Gold, especially like you know he, he can decide what players he doesn't want to be on the team because of film study, but. Especially when you have the entire team together, you can look at matches from the MLR and be, this is what's wrong with your game. This is what I want you to pr- improve upon. Yeah. As opposed to years past when people were just playing in, you know, D1 elite men's well, clubs. And I mean, it, it, gets it, it gets it really simple, right? Because then you only have seven coaches to talk to, right? That are for players that are in the player pool. They have seven coaches to talk to. Um, only have seven organizations right now to feedback that are playing at the highest level domestically. Next year it's going to go up, but still it's better than, you know, how we used to be, which is probably have 30 guys from 30 different clubs. And, you know, but I think it, I think it had a lot to do with it. So uh, the impact on the game uh, against Russia and Scotland, maybe not necessarily the, the, the impact on selections. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for talking us through that. I think we're ready for final thoughts. Anybody have anything for us on the way out here? Uh, yeah. Tell your friends about the MLR. Tell them about the playoffs of the championship coming up because those numbers are going to matter, especially heading into year two. Yeah. Throw a party, buy a pizza, bring some beer. Tell your local bar that has CBS Sports to put it on. Seriously, I've, I've done this at a couple of places now, and people enjoy watching it. All right. Anyone else? All right, that's it for me. Victor, take us home, man. Sounds like a plan. First of all, guys, real quick, because I didn't have a chance to do so, um, thank you very much to both Ruben de Haas and David Ayunu for giving uh, taking a little bit of time to talk to me after the first USA Canada on the twenties match. Had a lot of fun talking with them. Uh Ruin was mad, Adam Lemon. And um David was a little bit more positive in comparison. And yeah, David was really cool. Really, really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, also Ruin, but David also he was a highlight. He was a cool guy. So yeah, both so thank you to both of them. Okay guys, so first of all, um thank you very much for joining us on another episode of the Earful of Dirt Major League Rugby Podcast, episode 41. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Earful of Dirt Podcast if you haven't done so already. Of course, if you're watching this, most likely you have, but if, you, if you're listening to the audio version, make sure to do so. Speaking of the audio version, guys, make sure to uh, subscribe to us uh, through iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, Player FM, leave us a review like the person that did just now. And by the way, thank you very much for that review. Um, Another thing as well, uh, make sure to follow us on our <coughs> excuse me on our social media accounts on Instagram, Google, eh, Google. <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All of them at Earful of Dirt. And by the way, guys, um, speaking of the review that we just got right now, um, uh, to Dil- uh, Dylan Farashi, who just uh, who just sent it to us, thank you. And also, um, he's following us on Instagram. Um, we're, we're also following him on Instagram as well. So thank you, Dylan. We do appreciate that. 
And finally, guys, be sure to call us and drop us a voicemail at our phone number, which is one seven two zero six hundred two six seventy nine. And of course, going back with the live stream that we have here on YouTube, that's at ten p.m. Eastern, seven p.m. Pacific time. So with all that said, guys, once again, my name is Victor. That was Aaron, Corey, and Liam Poach. Hopefully, we'll have him next week again so he can do his dance. And if not, we'll have Josh. If not, Dan, whenever he comes back. So we'll see you guys next week. Connect with Earful of Dirt anytime. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. Until next time, for Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for joining us.